0: welcome to the art life faith podcast this is the show where we talk about art what it has to do with your life and what it has to do with the christian faith and i'm your host roger lowther Okay, this is episode three. We had a pretty big earthquake the other day. The alarm on my phone went off, kind of that you know early warning system that tells of a coming earthquake. I could hear the sirens out in the street and all through the neighborhood and really all throughout the whole city. And it was actually pretty scary. I mean, it was, sounds like it's the end of the world when every siren as far as you can hear is going off. In my mind immediately shot back to 2011 and the huge 9.0 earthquake we had back then. We've been talking about that again, you know, what if an earthquake happened now during the spread of COVID-19 and everyone would be forced to be in small shelters and gymnasiums like everybody, you can't social distance when you're sheltering from an earthquake. And when I watch the news about the spread of the coronavirus around the globe, I, uh, they always have stories about the hospitals, you know, the people on the front lines fighting in the hospitals. Facing the worst of this disaster, an incredible risk to their own lives, helping as many people as possible. It makes me think about a hospital in Minamisoma, just after the earthquake. Not far away, seawater spilled over the concrete walls and took out (laughs) the Fukushima nuclear power plant. It, It knocked out the power all up and down the coast. It went over their backup generators, flooding them, making them useless and the radioactive cores no longer had the water running through them to keep them cool. They began to overheat. They melt through layer after layer of protection, becoming ticking time bombs. One reactor blew, and then another, and then another. Radioactivity shot into the air and it flooded into the sea. It was a disaster of global proportions comparable only to Chernobyl. Words cannot describe the fear we felt during that time. I mean in tokyo we were told not to drink the tap water but there was no bottled water anywhere and we had small children and blackouts were rolling through the city and rain was supposedly showering us with radioactivity from the sky rumors were spreading that all 38 million residents would have to be evacuated so basically the whole middle third of japan the most populous part could be ruined And we would all have to move down as far as Osaka, or even further south. Of course, none of that happened, but at the time we didn't know that. You know, we didn't know what the future held. And people are actually whispering, is Japan finished? Is this the end? Well, it was during that time we heard about an urgent need through a doctor in our neighborhood, a Minamisoma. A city just 15 miles north of the broken power plants, there was a hospital full of patients and refugees that needed food and supplies. They were just outside the evacuation zone, and so they couldn't get the help they needed to move somewhere safe. Trains and buses weren't moving. Most of the people left behind were older, and so they didn't have the money to move anywhere and and really had nowhere to go. Professional truck drivers refused to go with supplies because of fears of radiation, And it was the only shelter for miles around. Because of all this, our group of volunteers made many trips to this hospital in those early days after the earthquake. So about two months after the earthquake, I personally made my first trip there. They no longer needed supplies, but now they need encouragement. And so I was sent to give an organ concert. I experienced firsthand the isolation and the hopelessness of that situation because man was that hospital hard to get to the tsunami had destroyed most of the bridges and roads along the coast and there were these huge lakes of water because the land sunk a little and the drainage system no longer worked so the japanese self-defense force constructed these temporary floating bridges and roads to make travel possible But it was frustratingly slow for travel. And these bridges were only open for certain hours of the day. Anyway, so we finally arrive at the hospital and I unload my digital organ. And as we enter the lobby, I see these pictures on the walls by children from our community. It was like this little art gallery. You see, every time we sent boxes of supplies up north, children in Tokyo drew pictures to tape to those boxes. And the hospital staff had apparently carefully taken off all every single one of these and saved them. And they hung them in the lobby and in the hallways of the hospital. I even saw a few by my own children. It was kind of moving, actually, to see them there, to see this visual connection between our two communities. Anyway, during the concert, people were pretty quiet. I mean, the audience was almost completely devoid of emotion or any kind of a response. I played my usual repertoire, you know, some Bach, some French romantic music, some pieces that I wrote. But then I played a pretty long improvisation on Moon Over the Ruined Castle and the atmosphere of the room completely changed. People engaged with the music, they began to hum along, some even began to sing softly this song moon over the ruined castle is really famous here i don't know if you know it but it's about this old but deserted castle in fukushima the lyrics describe this beautiful moon rising over the castle but the area is completely deserted no one is around to see it where has everyone gone the song asks only vines remain on the walls Only storms still sing in the forest. The scene was eerily similar to the situation we found ourselves in so close to those broken power plants. As soon as I finished the piece, the hospital director stood up and spoke. We're ruined by earthquake and tsunami, he said. We're reduced to nothing, a mere ghost town by radiation. We're cut off from the world by ocean to the east. Mountains to the west, broken power plants to the south, and impassable roads to the north. All the while we're bombarded with invisible radiation, but what can we do? What choice do we have? Well, now, as you can imagine, the room was full of tears. I saw so many wiping their faces and their eyes. When the concert finished, people came up to speak with me. A young nurse, probably in her early 20s, confessed that she wanted to leave the hospital, but couldn't. There was no one to take her place to care for the hundreds sheltering there. The hospital had sent requests for new people to come, but no one did. An old man confessed to me that he wanted to leave, but couldn't. He had nowhere to go and no money to do it. Well, after the concert, the hospital staff treated me to a dinner at a nearby restaurant. Of yakiniku uh, have you ever had <laughs> yakiniku you may know it from that movie lost in translation with bill murray it's on uh, your serve these thin strips of raw meat and you have to cook it yourself right there you know in front of you so they took me to this yakiniku restaurant and i will never forget this meal for the rest of my life it was so good being with these people even though i was personally meeting them for the first time it was like we were old friends and the meat at this restaurant was amazing. I wish I could share some with you. I mean, I have never had anything like it. It was, it was really the best meat I've ever had in my entire life. I mean, I've had yakiniku many times. I've never anything remotely like this. I couldn't help but think that the meat came from cattle nearby that couldn't be sold anywhere because of radioactivity you know actually it didn't matter whether it was radioactive or not it couldn't be sold because now fukushima had a stigma attached to it you know no one in Tokyo or any other part of the world for that matter was going to eat meat from fukushima so i think this restaurant was just able to get the best the kind of cuts that were always sent away before the kind of cuts that were always unaffordable to people like me and there was just something about this whole experience you know to be with these people in the midst of this urgency and this fear and to be sharing a meal together. And to be talking about the people that were at the concert and they'd be talking about the past two months. In that moment, we experienced community. In that terrible time, music brought healing. It helped people to mourn and to cry for what they had lost. The hospital no longer needed supplies, but. Music enabled the relationship between our two communities to continue and I'm so thankful for that point of connection. Because of music and because of the art of the children, hearts were open to us and they were open to each other and the experience really changed me as a person. I actually tell this story in a book I have coming out this fall called The Aroma of Beauty so stay tuned. To future podcasts, and you're going to hear many more stories like this. This is Roger Lowther, and you've been listening to episode three of the Art Life Faith podcast. As we say in Japan, Ja Matane. See you next time.